The His Girl Friday podcast is brought to you in part by Messenger Fellowship, living the kingdom, fulfilling the call, proclaiming the truth. What is good, y'all? Happy hump day. It's the, well, I guess it's the second Wednesday in August as this month continues to roll along. Typically, I cut my podcasts on the weekends. However, this is a special bonus round, and so I wanted to put it on wax while it was fresh in my mind. Did not anticipate doing this pod when the day began, but as you know, the past 24 hours have unfolded, it turns out that I've come into greater awareness on a key word that's going to be the foundation of our discussion tonight. But to aid me in the delivery, I will need to proceed chronologically, starting with the events that happened yesterday morning. So, I've been having muffler problems. I know that seems random, but my car has been sick as of late, so I had to take it into the shop before heading to work. And when this happens, basically, my wife will hold up the kids, and we'll all take the trip down I-40 from White Bluff to downtown Nashville, where I work. So the whole family is with me in the car, and I decide, and I'm riding the passenger seat. I'm in my Bible app, and I'm, I pull up the verse of the day, which is Philippians 4.4. 4. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. However, it's the verse after that that really caught my eye. I think for most of us, remember Philippians 4, 4. Remember uh, Philippians 6 through 7. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. I remember memorizing those last two verses uh, in third grade, and there's still some of my favorite scriptures in the entire Bible. But verse 5 is very underrated, in my opinion. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. That's coming from the English Standard Version. Let your reasonableness or gentleness, which you find in the NIV, graciousness in the Holcomb Christian Standard Version, or even considerate in the New Living Translation. That third word in verse 5 has a lot of different interpretations, meanings, And so I just had to drill down on that, just see what other translations had to say. Here's what Philippians 4, 4 through 7, how it reads in the message translation. Celebrate God all day, every day. I mean, revel in him. Make it as clear as you can to all you meet that you're on their side, working with them and not against them. Help them see that the master is about to arrive. He could show up any minute. Don't fret or worry. Instead of worrying, pray. Let petitions and praises shape your worries into prayers, letting God know your concerns. Before you know it, a sense of God's wholeness, everything coming together for good, will come and settle you down. It's wonderful what happens when when Christ displaces worries at the center of your life. From there, I went to the Amplified. Rejoice in the Lord always. Delight. Take pleasure in Him. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your gentle spirit 
your graciousness, unselfishness, mercy, tolerance, and patience. It's like it's taking all the translations and stirring them up in a pot. Uh, be known to all people. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious or worried about anything, but in everything, present your request known to God. All right. So that's the Amplified. Last but not least, I come to the American Standard Version. And for most of you who uh, have a Bible reading app, chances are it's you version. I switch over to the American Standard Version, and this is how it reads. I'll just read the first two verses. Uh, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your forbearance be known unto all men. The Lord is at hand. So between five or six translations, we have the following words to choose from. Reasonableness gentleness, graciousness, considerate, and forbearance. A lot of options. They, they tie to the same core, uh, but we're going to break it down and really focus on the word forbearance. That's going to, again, be the foundation of our, uh, of our discussion tonight. There's other mentions of forbearance in the word. There's a reference in Jeremiah 15, 15. There's a couple in Romans 2, 4, 3, 25. Hebrews uh, has one. Uh, in chapters 3, verse 9, I'll let you guys look that up. Um, essentially, we're going to take a soap Bible study approach the rest of the week here, um, asking the question, or rather through the question, what does the Bible say about forbearance, and what's the application to our everyday life? So forbearance, we actually see this word used more in the King James Version. There's two general meanings. One is to delay repayment of a debt. Uh, the other refers to a godly character trait, an attribute of God's nature. To forbear uh, is to hold back something uh, and involves two key fruits of the Spirit, patience and self-control. Colossians three twelve through 13 uh, puts this on display when it says, Put on therefore as the elect of God, holy and beloved, Bowels of mercies, kindness, humbleness of mind, meekness, long-suffering, forbearing one another, and forgiving one another. The New Living Translation words it this way. Make allowance for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. So this is powerful stuff, folks. I, you know, forbearance is, is not one of those words that, you know, is on the front burner of my mind often, but we tend to dance around it in, in how we talk about the, the spiritual fruits, and when we talk about the character of God, what his heart looks like, we often don't use this word, and I submit that we consider getting into our our spiritual lexicon, if you will. God shows forbearance all the time, every day. He holds back the judgment we deserve in the wake of the cross, and faithfully and diligently works with us, showing us kindness and patience in a way that will lead us to repentance and ultimately freedom. Whenever we mention judgment in connection to forbearance, we're talking about rightful judgment. Obviously, for God to be God, he cannot be wrong, so we're talking about accurate truth with the specific intent to set us free from bondage, from sin, from strongholds. And when we note the themes of Paul's letters, one of the big ones is he often encourages the churches he ministers to to not take grace for granted because that the cross has happened. It doesn't mean that we can get away with anything, that we're sinless, that we're innocent, that we're not worthy of judgment. Um, 
rather, Paul mentions all this to emphasize a posture of humility that we are to bear as God forbears with us, among us, etc. And while forbearance is not a fruit of the Spirit, it's important to note that several of the qualities listed as the fruit of the Spirit in Galatians 5.22 have a tie-in, an element of forbearance reflected in them, including love, peace, patience, gentleness, kindness, and self-control. God is patient at the end of the day, and He desires those who seek Him to be patient as well. To those He shows mercy, He desires Him to show mercy as well. All right, so a couple points of application that I wrote down just as I was meditating on these verses. This is an example of how we are to have quiet time, or at least it's one way to have a quiet time. I'm not saying that every time you read the Word that you need to write a thousand words in reflection like you're writing an essay, writing an assignment. Uh, but for me, it's just like I was so caught up in forbearance. I just had to put the pen to paper. That's just one of the ways that I process the Word. And as I wrote, I just felt the Spirit ministering to my heart and illuminating my mind in certain ways, leading to me some, to some revelations that I wouldn't have gotten if I hadn't decided to open up my Word. This day really has been an exciting one. It just shows you how if we're just intentional to just pursue God through His Word, He'll be faithful to direct us, to guide us. Uh, we may not have some divine awakening every moment, every day that we're in the Word, but every now and then He'll just just highlight a phrase or a word and He'll just be like, go after it. And that is what this podcast is about. So my first point of application goes like this. We live in a world where much comes down to bandwidth and margin. Whether in business, finance, law, or real estate, we tend to think of forbearance as a negative term, given it implies the inevitability of a negative outcome, a turning over the keys, if you will. And I think for many of us, this results in seeing forbearance as a surrender of control, as opposed to a surrender of immediate judgment, which we just talked about. And the conviction in my heart regarding this, we talk about making room for Jesus often. Prepare him room is a popular phrase in worship circles. But often we don't emphasize making room for forgiveness. Forbearance, while a present action, invests in the future and says, when someone wrongs me, when someone offends me, I'm going to be ready. Not for retaliation, not for revenge or manipulation, but for patient grace, for meekness as the model of humility. Hence why forbearance is really an extension of 1 Peter 3.15, one of my favorite uh, non-Paul letters. <laughs> uh, always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have, but do this with gentleness and respect. We forget that last sentence sometimes when we're quoting 1 Peter 3.15. Forbearance has been said to be an honorary fruit of the Spirit. But the more I think about it, the more I can't help but think forbearance is a fruit basket of the Spirit. Again, because it ties into all the fruits. Alright, second point of application. An oft-repeated command in Scripture is wait on the Lord. See this in the Psalms, Proverbs, Isaiah, 1 Corinthians, really scattered all over the place. 
even when we do case studies with the spiritual giants of the Old Testament and the Pentateuch, it could be said, and I really stand on this, it could be said that God requires us to wait upon him in order to help us develop forbearance. When we've learned to wait upon the Lord, we find it easier to forbear with our brothers and sisters. And sometimes the best place and opportunity to wait on the Lord is when we're working unto him. In my line of work, I work for TDOT Finance. Being focused on a single task comes in Andy, not only for the job at hand, but in my aim to hear God. I can't whistle, thus I can't whistle while I work, but I can certainly listen while I work. I can be still at work, and this is something that we could use to our advantage. Accordingly, I, and we should all should hope forbearance is a part of the positive outcome package we inherit as a result of quieting ourselves, of being still, of being intentional to invite God into what we do, into the work that we're ultimately doing for Him, the excellence we're trying to model to those around us. Um, so I think it's important that we keep forbearance in the forefronts of our mind, uh, no matter where we are and what, we, what we're doing. A third point of application, if we're meant to bear fruit, if we're meant to bear each other's burdens and bear with each other in love with all humility and patience, forsaking self-righteousness, which forsaking self-righteousness, that's another facet of the forbearance equation, uh, then forbearance helps gets us there. So let me say that again because there's a lot of words. If we're meant to bear fruit, each other's burdens, and with each other in love, with all humility and patience, forsaking self-righteousness, then forbearance helps gets us there. It's embracing the fact we can reflect the very nature of God without using it to our advantage. That comes from Philippians 2, 6-8. As we make every effort to keep the oneness of the Spirit in the bond of peace. That's Ephesians 4, 3. It's a remarkable talking about forbearance. Forbearance is a remarkable and versatile tool in our spiritual arsenal as it, as it reverses the legal IOU mentality and flips it on its head in favor of a die-to-self IOU reality, the kind that says, I owe you nothing more than what God shows me every day. My last point of application Unfortunately, for many of us, it's easy to conditionalize forbearance among those we're comfortable with. We compartmentalize and ration as we please, as we see fit. And I'm sure many of us have seen this demonstrated in secular settings, in the workplace, in our fields, and beyond. And part of this ties to the obvious. Not all are saved. Not all are following the Lord or aiming to be like Him. Uh, so we can't expect to be on the receiving end of what, rather, who we're trying to emulate. At the same time, we can't give up in bringing or in being the change we crave. Specifically, with respect to forbearance, being an agent of unbiased unity. You're probably wondering what I mean by that. Well, when we zoom out and look at Philippians four as a whole, note how Paul structures the chapter. Before he talks about how to think and act purely, verses 8 through 9, how he's learned to be content in all things, how we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us, that's verses 10 through 13, he first talks about being united. Essentially what he's doing, he's taking vacuum out of the equation. Uh, forbearance isn't an, isn't an exclusive right or privilege, 
but it's part of a corporate calling that goes beyond the bandwidths and margins we so often quantify or want to quantify. Forbearance is not an individual principle, but something that ties together. You can't have forbearance by yourself. It has to connect to someone else, which means that unity is imperative. It's essential. It's vital uh, when it comes to exercising forbearance. Accordingly, if we truly want to lead a full life, we must be open to full kindness as it's part of how God leads us to repentance. And shouldn't we ultimately want this for everyone? If you don't understand forbearance after all this, then think of it this way. Maybe this will help you remember it. Forbearance is slow to anger, abounding in love. The bridge in between... That's forbearance. I think for a lot of us, what trips us up is the word bear that's embedded in forbear. When we think about bearing or forbearing, I believe for a lot of us, myself included, at least until today, we associate it to things that we have to do as opposed to get to do. I think when it comes to our relationship with other people's sin and faults, we prefer to make preparations to avoid or withdraw from them as opposed to dealing with them, confronting them, and addressing them at the proper time. And what's cool about forbearance is that it really shuts up offense. For most of us, when we deal with offense in general, you know, those moments when people gossip about us, slander behind our backs, uh, disappoint us, let us down, don't meet a certain expectation. Maybe they disobey us or just they, they go against something that we desire. Far too often, we let offense creep in in the immediate and then we ultimately turn around and we forgive the person because we know that's what God wants us to do. We want to be like Jesus. Uh, I can't honor this grudge. I can't go uh, to bed angry. I can't let the sun set on my anger. And so we forgive, we kind of grit our teeth as we do it, but we just, we, we don't want to hold on. Like, we want to be able to be happy at the end of the day, right? So, you know, we'll, we'll think things like, well, so-and-so, it just ain't worth it. You know, it ain't worth me feeling so distraught, you know. It's not worth me just being so tight, you know. And so we forgive with the quenched fist or quenched teeth or something, and we go about our merry way. But even in that wrestling, we can bypass that through forbearance. And it's something that we have to walk out day in and day out just because we are fallen at the end of the day. We make mistakes. It's, it, it surely helps to think about God's heart posture towards us, how he's always ready to help us pick ourselves up when we fall down. He disciplines in love. He's always ready, you know, he's there to cheer us on when we, we get it right, and he's there to help us and guide us when we get it wrong. So it's really important that we don't immediately associate forbearance to tolerance. It's so much more than that. I think it's crazy how this whole idea, this study, this pod, comes back to that first reading, that's that first exposure to Philippians 4, Verse 5, let your reasonableness be known to everyone. I love that. I love how forbearance has an equivalent in reasonableness. As in it makes sense to put up with everyone because God puts up with everyone. 
It's the glorious divine reflection of that transitive property that comes back to us time and time again. God loves and forgives us, and God loves and forgives you as an individual being. Thus, we can forgive the masses that God has created and has appointed for us to walk with for such a time as this. Of course, adventures lie in the nitty-gritty, and that is why we're talking about it. This is why I wanted to just leave an open line as we wrap this pot up. I wanted to leave an open line for you to ask questions, uh, but also share some testimonies if you feel led. How has forbearance worked in your life? Has it been a struggle? Has it come easy? Is there things that you do, habits that you've cultivated over the years that uh, help position you to be ready in this particular way? We would love to hear from you. Uh, feel free to leave a comment in the comment section below. But given I'm already over 20 minutes, I'm going to sign off here and just pray a quick prayer over the rest of your week. Lord, I thank you so much that you are a loving, nurturing, forbearing God, that it is reasonable to forbear with one another as you forbear with all men. We thank you for your kindness, your patience, that you are always helping us, ready to help us, pointing us in the direction of repentance and freedom. Lord, we thank you that we get a chance to model you, a chance to reflect you to those around us, whether it's in our families, in the comfort of our friendships, uh, to those we may struggle to get along with at work or at school, um, or just people that we see on a regular basis, even our neighbors. Who are we at the end of the day to say we know suffering? At the same time, we can partner with you in your long-suffering and delaying that rightful judgment, as Paul talks about in Romans 2. Show us how to be more humble, uh, united in our humility, united in our meekness. May that beatitude where it says, Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. May we walk that out in all our arenas of influence. And as always, give us the strength, the endurance, and the perseverance to execute it out, regardless of circumstance, the challenge at hand. We thank you, Lord, that we expect great things, all because of you. We do it for you, in Jesus' name, amen. All right, guys, that concludes the pod for tonight. Hope you got something out of it. Hope you learned something. If not, I still appreciate you taking the time to listen uh, and join us in the conversation. This is not just a sermon or a message on the fly, but it's a conversation that we desire to have with you in this. So again, feel free to chime in at convenience. If not, we pray God's highest and fullest for you as you carry about the rest of your week. As always, I'll catch you on the fry. Peace.